Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. And a very good Tuesday morning to you as we welcome you along to Cork today. John Paul and Sadie are both back with us looking very refreshed after their long weekend. So they're available to take your calls at 1850-333-103. Anything you want to share with us, we'd love to hear from you throughout the morning. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. I can already see uh, a text coming in about the local property tax. We are going to be talking about the local property tax on the programme today because the council yesterday had their annual meeting where they discuss the local property tax and they decide what rate the local property tax is going to be charged at councillors have a little bit of a leeway in this since local property tax came in there was a base figure set and then it's up to each individual local authority all over the country they can go 15% either which way they can decrease by 15% or they can increase by 15% so in the good times Obviously, a decrease is what you would be expecting. But in the bad times, when money is tight, you're looking at the increase going the other way. I think some people were speculating that it might be the full 15% increase. And certainly the council executive were saying we need the 15% uh, increase uh, because obviously they're strapped, they, their reserves are being depleted and they're strapped for cash and you know they're going to say we're not going to be able to have essential services if we don't raise extra money so I imagine a lot of soul searching by the councillors yesterday but they've sort of gone midway and the increase now is going to be 7.5% on the baseline figure for this year, for 2020, for 2020, 2021, I suppose is what the figure is set for. Some are saying, well, that's really only a 2.5% increase because this time last year when we were discussing it, the increase had been 5%. So they've put 25 on top of that 5 so they've come up with a 7.5% uh, instead. Anyway, your thoughts welcomed on the local property tax and straight away when I mentioned it with Simon, a listener says we simply can't afford to pay the local property tax this year and I do think that that is going to be an issue for some, not for all. It is going to be an issue for some. We know because of COVID-19 there are people who have not returned to work, who are still out of work. There are people who lost their job and that they will never return to the job 
job that they had pre-COVID-19. So we know that there are families struggling uh, and some, and we know that the COVID, the PUP payment has, has decreased. So there are families finding it really, really hard just to make ends meet, just to put the food on the table, to keep the lights on, to keep the heating on, to get the children back to school. There's, there's talks of a tsunami of debt coming down the line, particularly at the end of this month when people have to start paying their mortgages. That's going to be a huge problem for many people. So for people to hear that even a small increase, no matter what it is, we've got people saying, well, you know, whether they increase it or decrease it, I'm not going to be able to pay my local property tax this year. So that is going to cause problems for the council because there will be people who maybe every other year paid their local property tax on on time will be deferring the payment. So there are, I think there are going to be a lot of tricky days ahead for the executive in the council as they try to divvy up the money they get in and where they're going to spend it. So we welcome uh, your thoughts and comments on that. And a very stark front page of the Irish Times today. I picked up the paper and said, oh, what's that? They've got a million just written in red, just one, zero, 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 one million. And then when I looked at it, I realised the world, we have reached one million COVID-19 deaths and they do a breakdown as expected. The highest number of deaths from COVID-19 are in the United States of America. 204,995 people have lost their lives because of COVID-19. Brazil is next, 141,714. India, 95,542. Mexico, 76,430. And the United Kingdom, shockingly, are next on the list, 42,091. And then swallowed by uh, Italy, Peru, France, Spain and Iran. And they also, on the front page of the Irish Times, they put up the Irish figures. And uh, we will never forget the, the, and the number, unfortunately, will rise as well. But the people who have lost their lives in this country, 1,808 people died. Um, and are listed as dying from COVID-19 and there's 578 in the north. So it's just when you see the one million, you're thinking, whoa, one million deaths since we started talking about COVID-19 at the start of the year and really started logging the figures and the numbers since about March. It really is quite, quite uh, frightening. And then bringing it back here closer to home, 70 recent cases of COVID-19 here in Cork have been traced back to pubs and restaurants. That's the that figure has come out from the National Public Health Emergency Team at Neffet. The cases account for twenty percent of the three hundred and fifty cases that were confirmed in Cork City and County in the past fortnight. The officials also said that there was a significant cluster had been linked to a house party not here in Cork. Now this was a house party in Galway City. The numbers that emerged emerged as the figure uh, as a further three hundred and ninety cases for COVID-19 were reported yesterday. The breakdown of that 390, 209 in Dublin. Goodness me, even with the further restrictions, Dublin's numbers are still very high. And you would wonder, is there somebody in Neffet saying Dublin's going to have to move to level four? No talk about it at the moment, but you wonder behind closed doors, is it being mentioned? Because they're still really, really high figures. Figure for Cork was down, thankfully, on the previous day. Still high, though. 27 cases in Cork yesterday. 22 in Donegal. Bearing in mind, Donegal also have the additional restrictions in place. And then there was 21 cases in Galway. Galway have worrying figures as well. 14 in Kildare, 14 in Monaghan. And then there were seven in Roscommon, Tipperary, 
Waterford and Wexford, six in Limerick and Longford, and then five in Leash, Meath, Offaly and Sligo. And then the remaining 23 cases were across eight different counties. Ronan Glynn is telling the briefing that the case numbers in Donegal and Dublin are still very high. And he also says it's not going to take much for things to go wrong again in Kildare and in Louth. And then, of course, he spoke about the numbers rising so, so fast here in Cork, also in Galway, Monaghan and Roscommon. But he said people everywhere in the country simply need to reduce their social contacts and keep their distance from others. Dr Glim said a single case, this was just one single case of COVID-19, had led to a series of clusters that went on in total to affect 56 people. And that's just from one case. What happened was the initial case involved a person who did have symptoms of COVID-19, but they self-diagnosing themselves felt actually this isn't COVID-19 they didn't think that the symptoms were that significant and said actually I don't need to isolate I'm fine I'm not going to get COVID-19 so that one person went out and they met up with a group of friends and out of just that one meeting with a group of friends that then led to 13 cases of COVID positive cases then in the meantime obviously the original person gets tested and they turn out uh, to be positive so the 13 cases then that the from that initial meeting they then started to present with symptoms they were tested positive for COVID-19 but one of that 13 failed to limit their movements that one person then went on to infect another nine people and then out of that, they went on to extend to pass it on to extended families. And there were sporting events where somebody went training, I suppose, and it was passed on there. So out of the one case, 56 people were infected. And I was listening yesterday to a contact tracer who was being interviewed. He was talking about what it is like being a con- contact tracer. And at the beginning, People were quite okay about it. It would get a bit of a shock if they got a phone call to say you've been in close contact with somebody, you may have COVID-19, you need to go forward for a test. Now it seems when they're ringing people, some people are getting very angry about getting a phone call to say that you need to go forward for a test. Some people, it seems, are even refusing to go forward for a test, which just is mind-boggling to me that anyone would refuse to go forward. But seemingly that's what some people um, are uh, doing. But the contact tracer was talking about, it was about a a case that they dealt with last month. And one individual person, when they tested for COVID-19, got the phone call to say, "Okay, we need all of your close contacts for the last 48 hours. It's just for the last two days. 79 people had to be contacted from that one person. And that's why we're all told to limit the number of people that we were meeting. In, if, God forbid, you did test positive and then you would have to, over the phone, tell who you've been with for the last 48 hours. I don't think I know 79 people that I would have met over a two-day period, to be honest. There's also seemingly a worrying trend when a young person is testing positive for COVID-19 that some young people are reluctant to name all of their close contacts because some young people are of the misguided belief that they're going to be blamed or there will be stigma attached and they're trying to get that message out. There's no blame, there's no stigma but you need to fess up and be honest and if you get COVID-19 and your contact trace and you you then run to the contact tracer you need to, even if you did something you knew you shouldn't have done like you went to a house party 
party and there was 30 other people at it, you need to give all of the names. Uh, Neffet are meeting, by the way, on Thursday of this week to analyse all of the current trends. They're also expected on Thursday to discuss Halloween. Halloween around the corner, end of the month. You can already, if you're out in the shop, see the pumpkins. Halloween costumes are out and about. And people now are looking for guidelines around trick-or-treating. And I'm interested to hear from people, if you have smallies, are you a grandparent and you have smallies, are you discussing trick-or-treating? Are you going to allow your children go trick-or-treating and then if you're a household like mine we don't have anybody trick-or-treating but I always have the big bucket of sweets ready for the kids will you be opening the door if children do call trick-or-treating is it possible to do trick-or-treating and keep the two metre social distancing I have heard it being suggested that what if families want to you know give sweets to kids that you would maybe leave them out at the gate and let children take what they want now I don't know how that's going to work in all areas will you get somebody come and they'll arrive and the whole bucket will be gone and there'll be nothing left for the rest of the children I don't know how it's quite going to work but anyway your thoughts welcomed on that I mean I have heard some people say we need to cancel Halloween this year with others saying how would you come on the children have had a tough enough year this year do we really need to be talking about cancelling Halloween so it does look like Neffet during their meeting on Thursday will be offering some kind of guidelines and some kind of advice to parents as to what parents need to do in advance of uh, Halloween. And obviously Ronan Glynn yesterday teasing out Cork and was asked about Cork and the fact of 27 cases yesterday and he has admitted that Neffet are very worried about us here in Cork. Now he says he's not focused at this stage on moving Cork to level three restrictions even though Everyone is expecting that that is what is going to happen and then we will be similar to Donegal and to Dublin. But government sources are warning that the county could be up for consideration and that we could be up for consideration as early as Friday. I mean, if they're going to have this meeting on Thursday and if at the meeting on Thursday they are analysing current trends, the current trends are pointing to the fact that Dublin now, we have the highest rate of COVID uh, cases. We're rising at the highest rate next to Dublin so we're going one way and unfortunately it's we're just going up and we seem to be going up in a straight line so if they're going to start discussing that it is very possible that we could be moving to level three as early as Friday but Dr Glim has said that Cork City could be locked down with the rest of the county remaining in level two and if they do that they will be the first this will be the first county in Ireland where they've done that where they've picked one area of the county to say we'll lock that area down and then we'll leave the rest in the lower level and he says it is it is being looked at because they say that Neffert are continuing to evolve their approaches to assessing local areas and yesterday when Simon was talking about Donegal and he'd been in Donegal last week and they were at the stage we're at this week and they were talking about the possibility of going into level three and the businesses were worried and he Simon was saying the area of Donegal he was in has very little COVID-19 and it seems to be the northern part of Donegal and close to the border. It's that region around there where all the clusters seem to be. And they were saying people out in the peninsulas and people in the south of Donegal were saying it's very unfair if they lock us all down. And of course, that's what they did. So Neffert obviously had listened to that as well and listened to what people in Donegal were saying. So they are, as they say, continuing to evolve their approach in assessing local areas. So Cork could be the first county that they decide, well, 
the biggest number of clusters are in the city and the suburbs. So let's lock down that area and then leave the county at level two. Again, we don't know, but it is being speculated about. And I see Michael O'Donovan, the chair of the Cork Vintners Federation, whose pub is in the city. Michael, who spoke with us so many times uh, during lockdown and then spoke with us last week in advance of the wet pubs opening and how excited he was. We spoke with him Monday of last week on the first day uh, that the pubs uh, opened. He said it's disappointing to hear that 70 cases for the last two weeks have been linked to pubs and restaurants. And he now is very worried and concerned that pubs will once again be forced to close. But he did make an interesting point. He highlighted the fact that wet pubs have only been opened a week since yesterday. And he's wondering, could many of those 17 cases have been established to the gastropubs and the restaurants, the places that were serving food? You can't point directly and say that it was all down to the wet pubs. Now, he's also asking people to be vigilant, to follow the guidelines, because if we don't, we... And he said, because we don't want to be going into the situation like Donegal and Dublin finds itself in. He said it would be really, really hard for bars to be asked to close again. And Dr Glim said there has been a relaxation on social distancing, saying it was the single biggest thing that people can do. So there's no new measures. But he said one in particular is that people need to just simply keep their distance. And I know that Taoiseach Meal Martin is saying the next two weeks are going to be critically important for the state as we try to stabilise the virus and and prevent other counties like us here in Cork moving to level three, are indeed the entire country moving to level three. We all have to do our bit. 1850 333 103. John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Some help for listeners, please. I love when we try to get these sorted out. Listeners, a strange request here. Does anybody know who in the Mallow area stocks fresh horseradish? It's great for sinus issues. And the listener is trying to get their hands on fresh horseradish. Now, I'm a big fan of horseradish sauce, but I don't think I have ever cooked or worked with fresh horseradish. Anywhere in the Mallow area, please, where you know fresh horseradish is on sale, whether you've either seen it or if you're in a shop or maybe a farmer's market, would they stock horseradish? If anybody can let us know, a listener is looking for it, please give John Paul or Sadie a call. And then I had a lovely letter in from a gentleman who doesn't want me to call out his name, which is fine. It's a gentleman from the Passage West area of Cork and says, Dear Patricia, I'm 87 years of age and I had a small King Charles dog. Had the dog for the past 11 years. Sadly, she passed away in the middle of September and she was just wonderful company. I've tried everywhere to get another small dog, but without success. I would appreciate very much indeed if you could help me to get a small dog. I'm very lonesome since my King Charles died. Please don't call out my name as I'm a very private person. Please do your best to help. That's just, I swear, I nearly cried when I read that uh, letter this morning. Thank you to that listener who has contacted us. So the call is going out. Does anybody know of somebody who has a a small dog? I, I mean, probably along the same lines of a King Charles dog that would be suitable 
for an 83-year-old man who just wants the dog for company and I imagine the dog would be living in the lap of luxury and would be so well looked after. If anybody can help us or can point us in the direction of where we can go to help out this gentleman. As I say, he's in the Passage West area so ideally somebody local would be great so we could hook them up and, and get the dog uh, rehomed with this gentleman. If anybody can help us, 1850-333-103. John Paul or Sadie, or if you can text or WhatsApp your suggestions to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. The local property tax for Cork County next year has been increased by 7.5% from the base rate. The chief executive had recommended that councillors would vote to increase the local property tax by 15%. Joining me, Fina Gale, Councillor Noel McCarthy, and also on the line, Independent uh, Councillor Declan Hurley. Noel McCarthy joins me uh, first. Uh, good morning to you, Noel. Good morning, Patricia. Good morning, Declan. Now, Nolan, uh, Declan's on the other line. Declan, are you there? Are you with us? Good morning, Declan. Good morning, are you there? Patricia. Good morning, Noel. Uh, good morning to you both. OK, uh, I'll start with you, Noel, first. Noel, no one had the appetite to increase the charge by 15%. No, Patricia. That When the Chief Executive and the Director of Finance um, gave us a report yesterday and they outlined that they wanted a 15% increase and encouraged us to do that, we knew straight away that wasn't a goal. We felt that 15% would be too much to ask anyone to pay. So we decided that, as you said yourself, there are 7.5%, which was really only 25 because we increased the 5 last year from the base line that we had. So really, we, we felt as a party to increase it, while it was a very difficult decision to make that, to, to increase any amount of money at this time when we're into this COVID-19 and people are suffering and very concerned about our, about their own finances and asking to pay more, we knew was a very hard decision for us as a party to make. But we felt, and to justify it was, that to protect our services, our grants, our community grants, our amenity grants, and also our village enhancement and town development funds, and having money next year to, to again fund these projects, we felt we had to have some sort of an increase. So we felt that the two and a half the seven and a half percent overall was was the right thing to do as a party to c- secure them and to make sure that community groups, sporting organisation, hall committees, when they uh, apply next year for a grant, that there would be funding there for them. To All right. Well, the, the council's chief executive Tim Lucy said the council's financial reserves are facing, and I quote, a wipeout. Do you accept that there will be significant cuts to a number of essential services next year? Without a doubt, we have, it's, it's going to be very difficult times and we're going to fit, find, find it very hard to secure all the services that we've done over the years uh, in future to, to, to fund these. It's going to be very, very difficult and we're facing very difficult times, Patricia. So, so did, did you even consider going up by the 15%, which is what Tim Lucy looked for? We, we, we didn't as a part. You know, we spoke about it and we felt it was just that, uh, I think everyone in the room and our party of... Um, of 19 felt that up to 15% was too much to ask anyone in the difficult times we're in. So we decided the 75 was the best way to go, as I say, because of the old things about mind, about securing grants and so on. We felt that was the best way to go forward. So by but increasing we, by the 7.5% from, from the base rate, 25 as you say, if you're, if you're looking at it over last year, how much extra will that bring in for the council? About 3.5 million. 
Three and a half million. And, a half, and yeah. how much extra for the average household? I mean, that's what people are asking. How much more yes, am I going to have yes. to pay? I, well, that's a good, a very good question. Anyone whose house is raised between 100,000 and 150 is costing 225 a year extra. 150 to 200 would cost 550 a year. And 200 to 250, an average of about 8, eight um, euro a year extra onto their bill. Which we felt, while it is, it is a raise, it's not a huge increase to anybody. Okay, let let me bring in uh, Councillor Declan uh, Hurley from West Cork. Good morning to you, Declan. Good morning, Patricia. Declan, you proposed no increase. Would that not have pushed the council into further financial trouble? Well, like like Noel and his colleagues yesterday morning, we we had a very lengthy, uh, I suppose, um, concise debate uh, with the independents as to how we would approach this and uh, begin. Any increase is always a difficult decision in, in any day, but we felt particularly this year, um, given the, the, the pandemic and the, the, the stress and strain that families are, are under, it wasn't the right time to bring in an increase of any sort, be it uh, two and a half or be it one or whatever. So uh, that was the view we took. And again, I suppose, aside from COVID, we've always had the issue of uh, Cork County Council being a strapped are a cash-strapped local authority, and we've always been going to the government, I suppose, looking for uh, additional funds. And we felt now was the time to go, and if, if, the, count, if the government were really serious about uh, local authorities and supporting um, communities, now is the time they should put their hands in their pockets and, and dish out. They've, they've, I suppose, they've given resources to other organisations around the country, and why not give it to, to local authorities, which are actually on the ground with communities. And, and that's the view we took yesterday, uh, was that the, it's the government should be bailing out the local authorities, not the general public, because at the moment you have a huge uh, domestic debt out there, and we didn't want to be seen to be um, adding to that debt at this point in time. But if we go into level three, Declan, many businesses, many more businesses will be forced to close. So we're going to have some businesses who are not going to be able to pay their rates. You know, as councillors and as a council, do you need to try to maximise all other areas of income to secure the future of the council? Unfortunately, there, there is no if. We, we are heading into a level three at some stage, given the way the figures are going, and that's, that's, that's very unfortunate. And yes, there are businesses out there that are under pressure. Um, they've recently opened, and they're probably going to, to close again. But they also have family homes. Um, to, to, and like, so again, they can't pay their, their commercial rates, but again, they're being asked to pay an increase in, in their property tax. So again, it's a double hit uh, on, on a business that had a, a struggling business and also trying to maintain a family home. So again, that was a, one of the views of one of the councillors yesterday in, in our grouping was that it was, it, this was going to be a double hit uh, even on the business communities. And going back to the point Noah made about communities and um, supporting communities, like I can understand why um, a local property tax would benefit maybe a city or an urban town, but out in the in the rural areas, say like take the Manway or Berlin and the Skeen, those communities don't see the full benefit of the, the local property tax. They don't have they have uh, footpaths that are crumbling and falling apart. They have um, outdoor staff that have retired, haven't been replaced. So. That's the argument that we're getting from the public that we're representing is that the people in rural areas do not get the full benefit of an increase in local property tax and, and therefore that 
that was the basis of our decision yesterday. We have to get back to central government and get them to realise that as a local authority, we cannot provide um, adequate services, even in normal circumstances, not to mind uh, trying to work and provide services through a pandemic. I, you're probably summing up what a lot of, uh, Mary's probably summing up what a lot of people are thinking, and you've just touched on it uh, there, Declan. Mary and John Manway says, it seems like we're getting penalised for owning our own home. Anyway, what exactly do we get for it? We don't have street lighting, we look after our own private well, we have our own septic tank. It all costs money to maintain. What is it for? Uh, Noel, a number of people saying the same thing. What are we getting for our local property tax? Yes, I can understand what people are saying and I can understand their, their difficulty in paying it and what do they get for it. What we're really getting, as I say, is the grants in the community and spending the money back in our communities, um, Patricia, which we do for year end. I'll just give you an example. Last year, Cork County Council paid out 1.8 million in grants to different people, to sporting clubs, tidy towns groups, residents associations. So we are benefiting. The money is going back into our communities in a different way. No, I do take that from point that it's not spent in the in the rural areas as much as it is in the urban areas and so on. But at least it's been spent in a good way. Now, one other thing we did yesterday, Patricia, was that 20% of the local government tax every year is kept by the central government. What John Paul O'Shea, our leader, yesterday, we, we write the central government this year and asked them not to take the 20% off us and put it back into the community and back into Cork County Council. This is the equalisation no. fund and they divvy exactly. it up so that every county yes. gets a fair share, isn't that what exactly. it is? Exactly. That's exactly what it is. So what we've gone and we've written out Dickens' point about central government um, funding it fully, well, then taking a chance in that and, and we get no money and they don't do it the council being worse off in a worse financial situation than we were now if we didn't do what we did yesterday. So De- Declan, would, are, you, are you in favour of that, the ending of the equalisation fund so that every single cent that's raised from the local property tax in Cork City and County stays in Cork City and County? Absolutely, 110%, Patricia, because I was just checking on figures there before uh, I came on air and last year before there was any variation in the, the local property tax um, there was um, the, the government took in um, was it 40, just over just yeah about forty one million uh, from the the local property tax eight million of that was kept centrally in 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 the in the government funds that that eight million basically left Cork County Council so you can imagine what we could do what extra services we could provide and even provide better if we had that eight million so yes we as independents totally um, supported that call from from uh, uh, the Fine Gael side of the house was that that um, equalisation should stay in the county and again it goes back we've had the uh, discussion Patricia many times about our motor tax the same thing happens with our motor tax we're paying out millions of euros from a county and we want to get back pittance at the end of the day and that's why we have a depleted road infrastructure so the same applies to the, the equalisation fund and the same can be applied to the, the motor tax just leaving this county is not people are paying out their taxes but they're not getting the, the bank for their book back because the, it's going into a central fund and being dished out to other um, local authorities around the country OK some of the calls coming in as you can imagine people are very annoyed about this folks uh, Michael says he is a land he's very cross about the, an increase in the local property tax he's a landlord he said I just can't simply increase my rent when I feel uh, like it this is the start of it they will be raising car tax ro- uh, car tax, parking rates, fines everything else they can and before we know it everything will be gone up they need to stop wasting money on stupid things Nola, I think I w- imagine you would say that the council doesn't waste money on stupid things 
Well, they do their best not to anyway, Patricia. I think they work very hard to, to secure all the services that we do provide to uh, to different to all the communities in our county. Uh, they can touch the one very good thing about money from the Clare tax going back to uh, going back to the central government, and we don't see the rewards from it in our uh, in our county. And that has always been said. And I think it's, it's unanimous in the chamber that we have the biggest county in 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 the country, and we're not funded the way properly the way it should be based on the size of our county and I think we must look at that and I think all of us 55 councillors in, in County Hall must stay together on this and fight that central government will not take the 20% this year and fund give that 8 million back into the county so we can secure our funding going forward Okay and listen, listener has, has a question directly for you uh, Noel uh, when where when all this money, where will all this money, when will all this money, sorry, be going to council houses that people are waiting for repairs? Uh, this listener cites an example, a young woman with MS walking, waiting for a walk-in shower and was told no money available from the council. They don't have money for something like this, but yet they can put down the green grass in the middle of Fromoy. When would she get her shower? Yeah, it's, 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 it's a huge problem. Yeah, grants are definitely being cut. We we need to secure them again. I, I sympathise with the, your listener that has uh, uh, texted you on that matter. We, we are fighting to secure uh, grants back again. And I, I do feel that money that is spent in certain projects must be more thought out and must be spent on better things than, than sometimes when mistakes are made. Declan, a number of people are saying we simply cannot afford to pay local property tax uh, this year. One example was, hi Patricia, we will not be paying this tax in any shape or form this year. And by the way, we made this decision prior to any price hike. We will no longer pay for what we see as non-existent services. The road to our estate at Marina Heights in Bantry is a disgrace. The money they received has been sent elsewhere and has not been used for the purpose it's supposed to serve. The council and our local councillors have been notified and they haven't even acknowledged us. And someone else said, I've lost my job this year. I simply can't afford to pay local property tax. Declan, what do you say to people like that? I, I sympathise and my heart goes out to those people. And, and those were the very reasons we as independents yesterday decided to vote for a no change in the local property tax because it was, it was just morally wrong. Uh, to apply any increase uh, to the general public out there because uh, we don't know what we're facing into this winter in relation to the pandemic, in relation to jobs, into uh, businesses, into homes. And uh, we just don't know what uh, the, the real issues are out there at the moment. And, and uh, just and just a thought of a further increase uh, to people's outgoings um, is just totally wrong. And uh, as I say, we were, we were accused yesterday of taking a, a populist view in relation to going for a, a zero change. Our view was from the real world, and the real world was the views of people out there that spoke to us um, in the days and weeks prior to um, oh, we making that decision yesterday. They pleaded with us not to increase the property tax because they couldn't afford it. And secondly, by increasing it, uh, people from their own area aren't going to see the, the benefit of it, like your listener says, uh, footpaths, roads, lighting and all that. So um, it's, I think it's, it's, it's fair um, to ask the general public at this point in time um, to, to bail out um, um, local authorities and local services when the government should be stepping in. I know the government are paying out uh, billions of euros at this stage, but the, the government are in a position where they can borrow at very low, at very low interest rates to pay this back over a number of years. We, as a local authority, don't have that um, 
resort at hand, we can't borrow because we don't have the facility to pay back. So uh, therefore, our basis was that no increase because the public out there can't afford it and shouldn't have to pay. Okay, it. and now there's, there's a difference between somebody who can't pay and somebody who won't pay. Uh, Declan, if somebody genuinely has hit hard times, business gone, jobs gone, barely keeping the wolf from the door, can you defer your local property tax? Well, yes, the, the option is there, I suppose, if you, if you run into financial difficulty. But at some stage, if you ever have to sell your property, that's the first thing that has to be settled is your local property tax. So, yes, it can be um, maybe de- deferred or it can be maybe some people, yes, they, they don't pay it because they can pay it. But at some stage, um, when uh, a, a change of ownership or... Oh, yeah, it will have to be paid, but it can, it it can be deferred. It can be deferred, it has to be paid. So um, the option out there is, yes, some measure can be put in place to deal with it, but at the end of the day, why are you pushing something down the road that has to be dealt with? There's going to be a bigger problem uh, maybe in 20 years' time when it's after mounting up to maybe 20,000. But um, I understand the point. If people can't pay it, they can't pay it. Okay, hi. We have no objection to the local property tax. What would be good is when we receive our invoice, if there was an itemised list of how the money was allocated in a particular area, financing sport groups, community groups, etc. is all good, but surely road repairs, flood relief and essential maintenance is more important. Noel, how do you answer that? Yeah, I can see the, uh, the viewer's point again. Um, just to say that, yes, we're doing our, we, we have funding, as I said, town enhancement, we spent um, town development. We spent one million last year, and it was to improve our approach roads. Is that including the laying of the green grass on the main street in Formoy? The no, artificial no, grass. I'd, okay. no, I passed it by the way at the weekend. Yeah, I know. I know. It caused a lot of upset in Formoy. Are people scrambling for parking spaces, and you've got artificial grass where the parking spaces were? Yes, it's it, look. It's it's caused problems in Formoy. I, I I hate criticising anyone that made made that decision but look we did have our meetings about our municipal meeting and it came that any decision like that in future must be first of all discussed with the local councillors and secondly with anyone that it affects what I mean by that is the business people in Patrick Street for mine should have been contacted should have been communicated with and the, the right thing wasn't done but going forward I can assure you Patricia that will not happen again because we as councillors were very strong at our last municipal meeting on that Okay, so but we, so but answer the yeah. point the part listener is making while giving to community groups and sports groups great idea, but surely there are, there are higher priorities: road repairs, flood relief, essential maintenance. Yes, I I, I do agree, but again, it goes back to the eight million that the if we give to central government every year. If that eight million could come back to our county, well, then infrastructures, road, like your listener while ago saying into our estate, all these can be addressed. But in some cases, then just about some of the roads into estates there could be a developer's problem. So then you're into a different one a problem again, working with a developer that is not there anymore to, to get funding off of and didn't finish the estate properly. I don't know that uh, personally, but this has happened in other estates in the county and our municipal district as well. So okay. it doesn't always come down to the Cork County Council being the problem. Okay, listen, John Manway yeah. says, the money going back into the community? Question mark. What rubbish? The public toilets in John Manway are a health risk. The recycling centre now doesn't accept plastic or cardboard anymore. I could go on and on. We have to pay out hard-earned cash for private bin collections. Take money off us as homeowners. There's less we can spend in our local shops. Have you thought about that, Declan? Yeah, I can't argue with that. Um, I've been campaigning to try and get the services back in the demand recycling service for the last six months. Um, we were told the last 
uh, Monday week that it's going to cost 100000 to make the additional, uh, to carry out the necessary work to do that. That 100000 isn't there, but I'm disappointed that the, the local authority haven't some short-term plan in place just to provide uh, the service for the, the public. But that, that's an argument for another day. But getting back to the, the discussion we're having this morning, um, I, I think the, the boat has failed in, I, I'm fearful the boat has failed in relation to uh, keeping the um, maybe the, that eight million in Cork County this year, but certainly going forward, we're going to be in this position again next year, making uh, these hard decisions. We need to get a commitment before we make these decisions next year from the government that we are that we can keep the equalisation fund that twenty percent in the county. Because as long as we keep handing over the money to central government, they will keep taking it. Our local government fund has been slashed for the last. Uh, I suppose while I've been in, in Cork County Council for the last 11 years um, and this tax which was forced on people the local property tax was brought in then just to pick up the, the shortfall um, and I've never been um, in favour of it I still am not and going forward the whole structure has to be looked at again the general public have, do not should not be asked to uh, prop up the council in providing services Okay stay there because Hannah Hannah wants to come in on this discussion Hannah's in Mallow uh, Good morning Hannah Good morning Patricia uh, okay. How are you? I'm very well honey How are you? I'm very well Okay thank you. you have a problem with your fire I'll tell you now they put in the air to electricity into my house Great Five years ago and yeah. since they put in the air to electricity, I have nothing but problems after problems after problems. They put in a stove, they damaged my chimney. I'm nearly two years without a fire. All I'm depending on is my heating, which is costing me a fortune. My last bill was 500 euros. Your electricity bill? Yeah, because yeah, I've it on 24-7. I have no heating. That's the only heating I have in my house. And have the council, have they come back? They to have l- came out. They have took photographs after photograph after photograph. And this is all I'm getting. I have a leak in my roof, a big hole. He was out again on Friday, took more photographs. All they're doing is taking photographs and nothing being done. And you're heading into the winter months? And heading in last year now. We were in bed every evening at six o'clock because we just couldn't stick the cold in my home. Asher, honey, you can't be going to bed at six o'clock. No, And I meant uh, another bloke was supposed to come and fix the pump in my heating last year, and I'm still waiting. Noel, you're you're closest in being a North Cork uh, councillor. Noel, Noel, it's hard to listen to Hannah, isn't it? Yeah. That's, that's very hard for to yeah. to Hannah. Yeah, I'll certainly Hannah. Well, I don't know the case individually. I'll yeah. certainly raise it with um, mm-hmm. the repair section in Mallow right. and ask them to not get an update on it. Yeah, I okay. Think and we'll we'll, pa- we'll pass on yeah. all the details. No, we'll Patricia, pass. Exactly. I got a letter yeah. as well from my doctor because I have COPD, I've emphysema, and I got a heart attack. And he told me I can't be in the cold. No, but you have here to. Here I am. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Let's see if we can get that sorted yeah, out. And I'm 43 years living in this house, Are and you? I never had a day's problem until they'd done the air to electricity. And I thought it was going to be a good news story because no. the air to electricity is great, and yeah. it's a great way to heat the yeah. house. Okay. Listen. Thank you for thank contacting you us, so and we'll much. see. And uh, we will pass on the details uh, to uh, Noel afterwards. Okay. Uh, I'm going to leave it there, uh, folks. I can see you know a lot of people not happy about it. But I'm more worried about the people, Noel, who simply say they they can't afford to pay. They're not going to be able to pay, so there will be people deferring. And then if you add to that, if we move to level three, 
businesses will close. The council finances, Noel, are going to be on very shaky ground this year. As I said at the start, Patricia, we're facing very, very difficult times and we're all in this together and that's the problem because we must work together. And I do agree with Declan with central government. We need more help from them. But I feel the raise we did yesterday to rise at 2.5%, we feel we had no other choice to protect what we had and keep our finances as secure as we can at the moment. But we are facing very difficult times. And, And more hard decisions will have to be made and that's unfortunate. But we must work as all parties and independents must work together. together. Okay, we leave it there, gentlemen. Thank you for that. Thank you both uh, for joining us. Uh, Thank good, you, Patricia. Good morning to you both. Thanks, that is uh, North Cork Councillor Noel McCarthy and uh, from West Cork Independent Councillor uh, Declan Hurley. 1850 333 103. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 103. And apologies, that interview ran over. We're backed up with um, ad breaks, a lot of commentary coming in about the local property tax, including are nearly crippled by all of the taxes that we are paying and they just seem to keep increasing them. Just look at the employee, P-A-Y-E. Those poor lads and lassies have to pay hand over fist. Many of them are raising families and have to pay for their education, which is meant to be free. That can be a large bill in itself just to educate our kids. We don't get any advantages from paying from these uh, taxes. Local property tax is meant to be for local issues, but lots of people saying that they don't see the benefit of the local property tax. Okay, unfortunately I need to take another break because we have news at 11 on the way. We will catch up on the calls and comments that have been coming in and we're also going to speak with the Magazine Road residents in the city who are worried about students back uh, now that the academic year has begun. This is Court Today. Court Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Court's greatest hits C103 You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Uh, By the way, I should have mentioned when I did the weather forecast there that there is a status yellow rainfall warning has been issued for us here in Cork. There's other counties as well. Kerry, Wexford, Waterford, Wicklow, Galway and Mayo. Met Aaron said that heavy and at times intense rainfall with totals of 25 to 40 millimetres can be expected. It may result in localised flooding. The rain will clear western counties by early tomorrow morning. So the status yellow rainfall warning for us here in Cork is valid from nine o'clock tonight until midday tomorrow. Okay, so that's a status yellow rainfall warning for Cork. Now, the Magazine Road residents who live close to student accommodation in the city are very concerned about the start of the new academic year. And they're particularly worried about Freshers' Week. Catherine Clancy of the Magazine Road residents uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Catherine. Morning, Patricia. Now, Catherine, the UCC students say that they're holding a virtual Freshers' Week and they're having events like uh, cooking classes and they're going to do hockey demonstrations. But it's all online. But you still have your concerns. Okay, I suppose, Patricia, I'd have to go back to next Friday, or last Friday, first of all. Last Friday, um, the residents met with um, the president of UCC, a Zoom meeting, also the head of Vanguard, Siakona, Barry McPoland, and also the um, CEO of Cork City and Darty. A student's union was represented as well, you know, at, at that meeting. Um, 
so on the Zoom meeting, but at that meeting, it was very, very clear. Like we outlined our real issues that we had all summer long going back to May and particularly the issues around house parties. And, you know, that we said, like, we could not face into uh, another Freshers' Week, first of all, and face into the winter of what we've gone through during the summer. And after a long meeting that went on, I suppose, coming and going at an eight o'clock in the evening, we had for the very first time huge leadership from UCC and taking on board our concerns and writing to all students, you know, asking them to adhere with the... Um, COVID-19 lockdown regulations or not lockdown, sorry, the uh, compliance with COVID-19 regulations um, and also I suppose for the very first time which nobody wanted to see and we definitely as residents because we share our community with students and we have some wonderful students living around us moving to expulsion when somebody um, knowingly hosts a COVID-19 party and also what we got was a huge commitment from the Gardaí to support us as a community uh, during the coming weeks and particularly I suppose even on Sunday night we had um, Superintendent Colm O'Sullivan himself uh, walking the area. But what was of real concern to us, and it went on all weekend, is despite UCC, despite Angarda despite the concerns of the community, that the Students' Union insisted on going ahead with Freshers' Week. And no matter what way they dress it up, no matter what way they dress it up, if there is no such thing as a virtual Freshers' Week. It started in our community on Sunday night, and it will continue until Thursday. And the numbers of people that we see out and about, the figures that we see around house parties, they are particularly attached to the events to do a Freshers Week. When Fresh Week finishes at the end of this week, we will not have the same problem. And, you know, as a union, uh, the students of union as a body, what I have to say to them, like, they have to come out of their bunker. They have to start walking around the area, witness what we're seeing. And listening to the figures in Dublin uh, last night coming that the amount of, uh, since the lockdown and Dublin went to stage three, last week there was 19,000 people signed on to the, for the public unemployment payment. And the people who signed on primarily were those in the hospitality area. And they're the people that the student union, either they're their union mates, they're also the people, the students who work in this particular area of hospitality, and they will be the people who will be most affected, most affected okay. by luck. All right, stay there, because I'm told that Nisha Crowley, who is the president of the UCC Students' Union, is on the other line. Good morning to you, Nisha. Good morning, Nisha. And now, Nisha, are you there? Good morning, Nisha. John Paul, is she there? No, she was no, it's there. A he. It's a he. Oh, it's a he. It's he. Sorry. <laughs> it's he. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. N- yeah. Nisha, sorry. My, my apologies. Can you hear us? I, I can, yeah. Okay. Can you need to come out of your bunker and walk around the area and see what's going on. Um, well, I suppose, first first off, I suppose I do live in the area and I, and I do see what's going on. And it is absolutely true that, I mean, uh, house parties that do break restrictions are not okay. And, you know, it's never been okay throughout the pandemic. And we do need to work on that. Uh, and something that we've done is we've specifically communicated to students that they should not be having large gatherings, that they should be adhering to the latest public health guidelines. So as a qualifier, our approach has been taken completely in line with public health strategy towards the entertainment industry uh, since the beginning of the pandemic and is completely compliant with guidelines. Um, we're using Virtual Fresh Week as a means of actually promoting public health measures by providing an alternative to entertain, alternative entertainment to face-to-face gatherings, uh, such as house parties. So, I mean, I, I've heard Catherine on here this morning uh, saying that these virtual events are attracting people to house parties. 
uh, and particularly citing Sunday night as one of them. Well, I would like to make listeners aware that there was no virtual event took place on Sunday night, so the blame can absolutely not be laid uh, at the feet of the Students' Union for organising a virtual event, particularly when, as, as Catherine said, these parties started on Sunday night. There was no virtual event organised by the Students' Union on Sunday night, and House parties still persisted. So I think that's a really important distinction to make. Okay, Catherine, let's let Catherine respond to that. Sunday night's parties, nothing to do with Freshers' Week, They started on Sunday night because um, there was a leaflet went out to every house in the area telling us that Freshers' Week was starting on Sunday night starting on Sunday, on Thursday. They started on Sunday night because if you're a student and you came to Cork, you would want to be, um, you know, I don't know where you want to be, not to know that you were actually coming and you were going to be part of Freshers Week for the week. As far as every student who has come to Cork this week, who has been participating in the partying, who have been walking around our area, we had done with slabs from 20 to 11 in the morning, you know, since yesterday. They are doing it because they are participating under the umbrella of Freshers Week. There is no such thing as virtual Freshers Week. Is you know, and, and despite how Nisha uh, will dress it up, uh, you know, it isn't happening. And while I admire the Students' Union, they have, they're, you know, they're paid to do their job. They're very privileged people. They're very smart people. They raise real issues of concern to do with students. This is not the issue that they should be making a stance on. And Thursday, when the parties are over, it's not worth it. It won't be worth it that they were seen to be the actual people to back a Freshers' Week event that went on for five days. And hopefully, hopefully next week, that we won't go to a stage three of the COVID-19 uh, epidemic. But, and I have to say... Keep you know, your fingers crossed, Catherine, because it's, look, yes, it's looking know, like it at the moment. And what we're, what we're witnessing since Sunday night in our area, the photographs that we've seen of downtown last night, they have all happened because we are in Freshers' Week. It has happened every year, but it's, and it'll happen this year, and it'll happen next year when Freshers' Week is on, whether it's just virtual or not. And no okay, Anisha, I'm, I'm sure you saw, did you see the photographs that were on, t- on yeah. social media last night? I mean, what, what do you say to those young people? I mean, look, we regularly com- communicate the most up-to-date uh, public health guidelines with students, and I just would like to say about those gatherings, I mean, look, they were in pubs, uh, they were in the city, um, our events are online. I mean, if if anything, you know, those people weren't attending our virtual events at the time that they were in the pub um, from when those pictures were, were, were taken. So I think there's a really important distinction to be made here that there, there's Freshers' Week and there's the conventional Freshers' Week, which we have, we, we have on the best authority, we have scrapped our plans to have on-campus events to run events in bars. Now, some other students' unions around the country are actually running events in bars. We decided not to. We decided to go to a full virtual Freshers' Week in order to protect the community, in order to protect ourselves, and in order to protect our students. Um, that is going on the best public health advice. As recently as yesterday, we launched a campaign with the uh, Union of Students in Ireland, uh, Ronan Glynn and Simon Harris, and encouraging people to, to keep safe and to social distance. And if you're going to be socialising, to do it responsibly. Because we know that, look, young people have been severely isolated during this pandemic. There still needs to be opportunities for people to connect with each other. But we need to do that safely. We can't be having large gatherings. And if we provide an alternative to people to come together, to, st- to come together... OK, what are the alternatives? The I mean, are you having online DJ sets? Well, I mean, a lot, a lot has been made of the, an online DJ sets, but there's a multitude of events throughout the week, including a Q&A with the Student Union every day where we answer students' queries. We have a Q&A with the Squash Club. We have different avenues where students can meet each other in virtual settings. Uh, as long as, uh, along with bands, comedians, and DJs, of course. Um, but there has been no link established throughout the, the world 
to, to online events and anti-social behaviour and large public gatherings. But when you're holding those online DJ sets or the bands or the comedians, are you are you saying to students just sit at home on your own and watch that DJ set or watch that comedian? Do you not think that that will encourage people will all get together and watch the DJ, the DJ set? We, we don't see it that way and neither do the, the public health authorities. I mean, look, it, since the beginning of the pandemic, the public health guidance is Right, Nisha, unfortunately isn't on the best line in the world. Sorry, you're breaking up there, uh, Nisha, just move ever so slightly with your phone. Yeah. You say, yeah, the the, the best public health advice? Since the beginning of the pandemic has been to move entertainments online to ensure that people are not meeting, not congregating in large numbers and to reduce the spread of the virus, which at this point is at a really critical juncture. And, you know, I would like to make reference to the, the statement that the Magazine Road Residents Association sent out yesterday. Um, and it called it call the Students' Union and me personally irresponsible uh, for organising a virtual Freshers' Week. But nowhere in the article did it mention that it was a virtual Freshers' Week. It just said Freshers' Week. And I, and I would like to say that I had numerous phone calls yesterday of pe- people who were understandably very angry, thinking that we were running on-campus events, in-pub events, uh, people who were uh, abusing me effectively. Uh, and once I explained to these people that, look, all these events are online, we're encouraging people to stay home, we launched a campaign with public health yesterday to say to keep safe, keep your distance. Um, and, and these events are actually all online, not on Well, n- nobody, nobody wants to see you abused and that's very unfortunate. But I think, Nisha, people's fears are, even if it is an online event, you have no way of knowing if you're having a really good comedian or a really good DJ set. You have no way of knowing if 30, 40 people don't decide let's all watch that online event together. You've, you've no way of knowing that that won't happen. No, can you hear me, Nisha? I'm having huge problems with um, with his phone line. I'm going to have to have to leave him go because it, it's just it's it's too it's too frustrating. Um, Catherine, what are you witnessing? Did all the students start to move in at the weekend? They started coming maybe about two weeks ago, and that's what I'm saying. The difference between Freshers' Week being on and off, you know, they came two weeks ago and things were fine. You know, they were coming uh, gradually. They came, then a lot of them. The houses are all full around us now at the area uh, at the moment, and uh, from Sunday night the traditional Freshers' Week took off. And it took off under the umbrella of the Students' Union. It would not be happening if the Students' Union weren't backing it. And what I'm asking the Students' Union at this stage, I know, you know, they're not going to stop it now at this stage because it has taken off and the genie is out of the bottle. On Thursday, when they'll be clapping themselves on the back and say, we won that battle, they may have won the battle and get getting their Freshers' Week to go ahead, but they definitely will not have won the battle against the COVID-19. I'm asking the Students' Union, you know, to do the job that they're paid to do, to give good advice, to show leadership and to actually, you know, do whatever is possible to prevent the risk of the of the um, the rise of COVID-19 in our area. Okay, what and yesterday... In- ...is not virtual. We're, since Sunday night, what we're witnessing... It's not virtual. Okay. And uh, yesterday we had a couple of calls in from listeners from various parts of the county who were annoyed at seeing friends of theirs and people that they knew dropping their young people up to the city into their Mm. accommodation, even though many of those students, their actual lectures and courses are going to be online. Is there a parental responsibility here as well? It's huge, and we didn't. We saw we we witnessed that during the summertime as well in our community, like the lack of parental responsibility, the amount of parents that we saw drop their children off, if not to stay in the houses, but to drop them off for parties in the houses and come along in their cars again in the next morning and collect them. 
huge and I get it I get it because uh, I've raised children myself uh, Patricia that like it is difficult on young people it is really difficult and it's difficult on parents and they're all want to get out of each other's hair but the solution is not dropping them off to uh, houses where they know they're going, that they can party and that they will party and risk bringing the COVID-19 back, 19, uh, uh, back okay. into the Okay, and just very finally, Professor John O'Halloran of yes. UCC, I mean, issued that email to all of the uh, he's students. He's been excellent. I mean, he's Friday gone so far as to say yes. students could be expelled yes. if they breach and, the guidelines. And like, you know, that's after a long meeting on Friday and unfortunately Nisha was not uh, able to attend for some reason. He was invited to the Zoom meeting. Um, you know, but we would have to say, like, we felt on our own a lot during the summertime. After that meeting on Friday with the acting president, John O'Halloran, we felt very reassured. They got our concerns and moving to expulsion is a big, strong word in any statement. And, I, you know, I've reared children myself and we, we, we share our community with students. I don't want, and I know my res- my neighbours don't want to see any student expend. But if a student knowingly hosts a COVID-19 party, well, then a €70 euro fine was no longer the option there. Like okay. so and also the support. Colm O'Sullivan himself, the um, superintendent, was walking our area on, on, on Sunday night. He wasn't walking there just for, out for a stroll. He was walking there because Freshers Week had started. OK, hopefully the week will go off quietly for Please you, God, Catherine. Our, our hearts go out to you because I know yeah, you've, put, you've put up a really tough battle. We you've have. Had, and and you've had a tough old summer as well. We with did it. and we're hoping now that things will move on from okay. this week onwards. All right, listen, okay. you look after yourself. Thank you for that. Thanks, Thanks for joining us. Catherine Clancy of the Magazine Roads Residents Association and Nisha Crowley. Before that, as president of the UCC Students uh, Union, a couple of texts in Freshers' Week, my foot. Those students uh, don't deserve to be in college. They need to cop on, says Marge. Another one says Freshers, virtual Freshers' Week. They're having a laugh. And uh, Patricia says another text, it's time the government pulls funding from universities that turn a blind eye to students that are not towing the line with regard to COVID restrictions. These universities are getting a lot of taxpayers' hard-earned money. Well, in fairness, even Catherine Clancy backed it up by saying that Professor John O'Halloran, who's the president of uh, UCC, he's come out very, very strongly uh, say against students and saying, you know, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen that before where a, a president of a, a university would come out and say that if the students don't adhere to, in this case, it's the COVID-19 uh, restrictions, they will go so far. It's not just going to be a fine. They'll go so far as to expel them. As Catherine said, nobody wants that for a young person. 1850 John Paul and Sadie are taking your course text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. Starting with Mallow Donnerell CES, they are currently recruiting for a secretary for community centre in Shambhali Moor, caretaker also in Shambhali Moor, two environmental workers for Donnerell and a caretaker for evening work in the Donnerell area. Experienced bicycle store mechanic assembler wanted that's for Cork City, while experienced labourer wanted for construction crew specialising in underpinning and piling that's in the Bantry area. And Caulfield Supermat value in Bandham. They're looking for a fresh food trainee. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie 
forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Or today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. As we continue to live through this pandemic, many people long for the day when they'll be able to go to a live concert. Artists all over the world have been forced to cancel their gigs this year with some singers and bands already setting dates for next year in the hope that life will be back to some kind of normality. To find out how one of Ireland's best loved singers is getting on, I'm joined uh, on the line by the one and only Daniel O'Donnell. Uh, Good morning to you, Daniel. Hi, Patricia. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. And I suppose my obvious question to ask you, how are you getting on in Donegal? You're now living under the new restrictions that we here in Cork have a funny feeling we're going to be facing at the weekend as well. Yeah, well, you know, we're fine. It is restrictive, but... Um, we're fine. I suppose you just have to do whatever is, you know, put down in front of you and try your best. I think, I think what what we all must realise is that as powerful as the virus is, we are very powerful if we restrict our movements. We have great power over it too, you know, and yeah. we can we can really, you know, reduce the the power of it. I know it's, it's 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 an inconvenience and it's a big ask for people, but what this is not going to go on forever. You know, no matter what we think, it will not go on forever and it will pass. But for this period, we just have to listen to what we're being told and try our best. Do you feel sorry for the businesses, though, that have been forced to close, particularly those that have just reopened and back closed again? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's tragic what's happening, you know, for, for the economy as well as everything else. But again, you know, when when the situation is here and, 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 and we have everything has to close, the quickest way to get it opened is to do what we're told. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? We, yeah. we, we, we don't have a choice in this other than to do the right thing. One, uh, when you move to level three, one of, I think, the real heartbreaking one, uh, one of the restrictions is no visitors to nursing homes. Now, you were fantastic, particularly during lockdown. You did some surprise open air performances. I did. I did. You know, I started doing that. I was sitting here in the house one day and I said to Majeri, you know, if I got a, a speaker and a mic, I could go up to the hospital and Dunlow, which I'm very aware of because it's our local hospital, although it's, it's more community hospital now, with residents in it. And I go there at Christmas with a, a friend of mine and his two children, and we sing at the Mass every Christmas morning. So I'm aware of the, the layout of it, and I know they have a garden that you can stand in, and the, the rooms are kind of around it, and the dining room is around it. So I called them up. I got the speaker and called them up. And... Um, headed off. And I, I mean, I was only there for about a half an hour, but it does break the monotony, yeah. you know, especially, you know, the people there like the type of music that I do, or a lot of them would like it anyway. So it, it breaks the monotony for the residents and for the for the staff too, even if there wouldn't be fans. They're very, you know, it's very difficult for staff because they're trying to motivate the residents and keep it bright. So it's the like of me coming out, I suppose, is a bit of a diversion and mm. it's a talking point after you leave. So I then contacted the guards because we weren't allowed to drive very far that time 
and just said what I was thinking about doing. So they sent me an email saying, you know, that I could travel doing what I was doing. So I spread my wings and I could then <laughs> travel through the county, you know. You're fantastic. Didn't, didn't get to every nursing home. But yeah. I was in probably about over 20 anyway. And it got you, it got you out singing live as well, which I'm sure well, was was a, was a plus for you. I know, I know. And the, the strange thing about it is because it was outside, like if I was in a town, people were here in, the, in their houses. So you'd see people away, maybe a hundred yards away, standing out of the ditch, you know, waving down. You know, it was funny, um, you know, that, that, that they would hear it uh, in all places. And, and I was in Bondorn and there were in apartments looking out windows. Um, so this was a, a bit of a, you know, a fun atmosphere in the, in the middle of all the, the you know, the, the, the trouble of it. It's you a, know. Bit of, a bit of and a diversion. for me to do, not hard. Is this your longest spell at home without touring? Absolutely. From, from when the lockdown started in March, I hadn't been home. I mean, I was at home then right up more or less till July without going anywhere. Um, for 40 years since I left school, I wasn't as long in Donegal. But, you know, we're very blessed here, uh, I suppose, and anybody that lives in the country and the fact that even in lockdown, you can get out. And you, we, we have a, a bit of a garden that we never really did much in other than there was a lawn there and, a, you know, a rockery that was natural that just was a big stone that was in the middle of it. And, but we started doing bits and pieces and clearing things out. So it occupied our time. The weather was great. So we were not badly off, you know, where mm. we're living. So we were. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. We're very grateful for that. And how has Magella been getting on? Magella's fine. Is she? Um, good. Yeah, she's good. Yeah, she's good. She's busy. Now, unfortunately, her mother... A few weeks ago, broke her hip, and she's in one of those hospitals now that I sang at, um, and uh, she's uh, for rehabilitation to see how good her walking will get, you know, before she gets home. So that's 
difficult because again, um, Magella, they can't really visit. Now they can go um, outside the window. And, oh, they're they're allowing the window visits know, as they're yeah, called. But, yeah, but that's um, hard. That's very it hard. It is hard. It is hard. You know, and all all these things. I mean, it, it's not until you're faced with something that you realise that the restriction, how much it impacts on, and everybody's life is different and everybody's experience is different, you know, and it's all very well. I mean, I, I know I said we have to do what we have to do, but if you're on your own and nobody visiting, it's very difficult. I mean, I'm very aware of that, you know, that some people loneliness as uh, cons- consumes them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I'm yeah. lucky. I can, I'm, I'm actually, I, I was in Tenerife. We had some uh, business to attend to out there that was supposed to be done in June. And eventually I got born in July and I stayed there then um, to see if the, the quarantine would be lifted. But it's not, obviously. So I had to come back. So I am in quarantine for 14 days. Magella actually decided to stay in her mother's house, which isn't on low, because that's the way to do it, you know, if, you, if, if you're going to be with somebody in the house, they then have to stay in. Yeah, so you, you almost self-isolate together. So are you on your own then at the moment? I am here, oh. yes. And the, and the house that Dermot ba- yeah. Ballon built. <laughs> the wonderful house that Dermot <laughs> Ballon built. Uh, yes. So you're there on your own cooking and cleaning and I looking after yourself? Now the cleaning is harmless, I have to say. <laughs> I did put out a couple of washings. But did- the, the laundry basket was full, so I decided I would do a, a light colour and a dark colour with the colour catcher in just in case of accident. Now, you need to keep an eye on the weather and there'll be good days for drying and if there's any rain, you have to get it in. Oh, sure, I know. I, yeah. know I had a great day's drying the day Just I put it out. It, was, it would blow you out. A lovely bright day with a nice breeze so the clothes got dried, no bother. It's all. a great all day for the drying. And you have been extremely honest in admitting that you've put on a few pounds. Now, there's what? much talk about the COVID stone. I know. I know. <laughs> I have put on a wee bit of weight. But, you know, listen, what can you do? I, 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 like a lot of people, I suppose you do when you're sitting about, you eat a bit more. And, you know, I know we can exercise in the house, but I'm a bit lazy. I was never a great one for exercising. I have to be honest and hold my hands up. I tried going to gyms and I just didn't enjoy it. I just never liked it. So, um, yes, there's a few extra pounds which are listening. You lose those. And what's what's those. the guilty pleasure? It's not the banana bread, no? No, I love, the, I love chocolate. <laughs> I do, I love chocolate. <laughs> That's so easy to get your hands on. Have you provisionally booked dates for 2021? We have. We'll be in Killarney. We were supposed to be in Killarney last weekend. So they were moved to next August. And that's the first live uh, shows that we have planned. And then we have dates in um, the UK already organised. If if everything is up and running, we'll probably be in Canada in September next and in America in November and in Dublin in December. But, you know... We, you have to plan whether it will come to pass or not. And, you know, you can't, we have to be positive and hope that things will work out. Now, I, and during the lockdown, was doing some Facebook Live things too. And um, I did a number of weeks. And 
I have been very aware, and as, as all musicians are out of work since March, um, that my band and all the people working with me, um, yeah. although they work with other people too, have had no income. So I approached them and I asked them if they would want to do a, a stream show, which is you can do. So on the 1st of November, hopefully we're going to go to the Millennium Forum in Derry and do a show in the theatre without an audience that will be live streamed that people can buy a ticket for yeah. to stream it into their own home. And that way, and it gen- that way it generates a bit of work for, for all the does. people. And all the yeah. ones in the background, lighting, sound. So, this is it. so many people have yeah. been. And it's an industry, and, and I spoke about this, I think it was with Tommy Fleming uh, a few weeks ago. Your industry was the first to close down and God knows you, you, you were the first to close. You'll be the last to get back up and running. Absolutely. And you know, Patricia, I'm very fortunate where I am in my career. I mean, I've been doing this for a long, long time. But for younger people that were starting out, the investment, you know, financial investment, and they were just getting their foot on the ladder. And all of a sudden, all this was taken away from them. I really feel for them and the difficulty to get started again. And I suppose a lot of times people see the music industry as a kind of a hobby, you know, Mm. but... So many people are rearing their families playing music and all that has stopped. So from my point of view, for that we have a few younger people in the band too, uh, you know, uh, for years everybody was older than me, but now I'm maybe the oldest <laughs> on the road. Um, you know, they have, have uh, you know, you know, households to, to run. So um, that was my motivation, and they were delighted. So we'll rehearse for a few days because you get rusty when you're not out. And put on the show. The information will be on the website. The tickets are not available to buy yet for the access, but uh, it'll be on the keep an eye on on your website. And it'll be the first of November, the Sunday at seven in the evening. Okay, for a couple of hours. Couple of texts in. Uh, lovely to hear Daniel on the program today. I love his song. He walks in the garden. Uh, uh, I can watch it on YouTube. He sings it with Magella. Says a listener. Somebody else says hi, uh, Patricia. Could you ask Daniel to say hi to me, Nora Cops in Dramina? I'm a huge fan. Well, hello, Nora. Okay, and then a lovely text in from Anne to say, so look, this, she sent this earlier when I mentioned you were coming on, so looking forward to hearing Daniel speak. I'm one of his fans. In February, on the Gertrude Burns cruise, he asked yes. me to dance the stack of barley with him. I was ah. delighted. Kind regards. That's Anne <laughs> Deneen. And then she sends me on a video. She said a lovely couple from Canada videoed it and sent it on. So she, so she has did the stack of barley on the deck. We did. So that was that, that, that cruise was in February. That was probably one of yeah. your last big things, was it, That's that you right. did before that lockdown? Was, you know, this, we came home from um, the cruise. And, you know, we were, I was talking to Gertrude recently and saying how lucky we were to get that cruise done. Because if it was a week later, we probably wouldn't have got it done. And Gertrude has been running cruises for over 30 years. And it's a fantastic holiday. Uh, we were out the Mexican Riviera this year. And it's all Irish uh, singers, you know, loads of people, Brendan Shane and Declan Ernie and Dominic Kerwin and Nathan Carter and, oh, listen, to Michael English, 
John McNichol, wow. Jimmy Buckley. We just have the best week. You, you nearly, you're afraid to go to bed. <laughs> In case something. you missed something. And, and God knows the, that cruise industry, they're going to have so much work to do to get confidence in people to go back on to cruises. Oh, I know. What yeah, mean. it's going to be I, hard. Magella and I enjoy cruises and we wouldn't dream of going on one now. No, you know, we not We were supposed to go on one for her 60th birthday in April. and uh, But you just wouldn't feel comfortable, no, you know. No. But listen, as you said, this too will pass and we will get back and all of those industries will recover, but it's, it's just going to take time. Am I told you have a new CD coming out? Yes, yes, on the 16th of October. There's a new uh, CD coming out and uh, it's hopefully people will enjoy it. Well, I recorded it last year uh, before any of this happened. Now, the only song we did uh, during the COVID uh, lockdown was Remember Me, Magella and I, with Trina and Kieran and um, David from the band, did it live on the Late Late Show the night we were on, uh, yeah. promoting the, cha- the St Vincent de Paul charity. Yeah. And I've really got a great reaction. Although I had it recorded for the album, it was different. It was better just acoustically. So we re-recorded it and that's one of the songs on the album. It's a mixture of stuff I recorded, uh, which maybe some people would be surprised. Ed Sheeran's Perfect. Oh. I love that song. It's a great song. I heard it. And I love Ed too. I went to see him at Belfast. But a lot of the songs I wouldn't record, even though I would like them. But I loved Perfect. When I went to the studio, I said to the producer, I would like to have a go with this. And we recorded it. And I'm delighted with it. I don't know what people think of it. But it's a mixture of old and new. So hopefully it will be enjoyed. And it's out mid, mid-October. 16th of October. Okay. And it'll be a nice Christmas present for, for, for people Daniel as well. After, after 40 years. A very original type. It's just <laughs> called Daniel. <laughs> OK, someone else wants to know, has Daniel, have Daniel Magella any plans for TV shows when COVID well, is all done and dusted? I, we have nothing planned. We were actually next year, they were talking about us doing something, whether it would be another B&B trip or something. But obviously that probably won't happen now because I don't think, you know, we would want to do anything at this time. So I don't know was the answer. You know, Did you, you know, love that? Like, like we hugely enjoyed those B and B programs. They were just a must-watch program every yeah. week. And you, 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 both of you looked like it. You really enjoyed it. Well, you know, it took us by surprise. Really, we had this thought about doing a show that would promote Ireland. You know, staying. You know, going around Ireland. We didn't think that it would be about us. Do you know what I mean? That it would be, that we would, we thought we would be in it, but that it would be more about Ireland. And it was about Ireland too. I mean, it obviously showed different parts and the B&Bs. But we were taken by surprise at the reaction of people to it. And there's hardly a day goes by when we're out somewhere and maybe going through the airport you know, some of the security will say, when he is going to do another b and <laughs> And, you know, we we just, we did enjoy it immensely. The, the, the people had a big contribution to the people we met and they brought a different dynamic to it every time. And they brought something different out of us too. 
yeah. you know. And, and, the, and the crack inside in the car when I know. with Magella driving was just so funny. It was just... Well, I, remem- I remember, you know, when we were recording the first few days, we were down in Kerry on a beach and I, we were away out kind of on the beach and I said to Magella, I said, the people at home are going to think we're mad. I said, the, what's going to be thought of this? You know, we we just didn't know because we thought, well, what are we doing? We're not really doing anything. But It worked. <laughs> it was just uh, one of those magic ingredients that absolutely worked. Yeah, uh, I texted in to say, best wishes to Magella, that, uh, to, or to Daniel. It's from Mary in Crystal Swing, who's ah, enjoying, is enjoying our chat. OK, and I have one of the tracks from your new album that I'm going to play. This is Come What May. Lovely. Come on, so this is one of the okay. old Eurovision songs, Vicky Leandris. Oh, one, I know it. Eurovision I know it. I know it. It's um, fantastic. It's okay. Listen, uh, Daniel, as always, it's a pleasure to have you on the programme. Thank lovely. you for that. Thanks very much. And regards to everybody listening. And our love I and best wishes to Magella as well. I hope you can avoid the stage three. But if you don't, you know, everybody will get through it. Please, God. Okay, listen, you look after yourself. Thanks a million. The lovely bye Daniel bye. O'Donnell. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. Okay, and a lot of people saying how much they enjoyed my chat with Daniel O'Donnell and he made so much sense when it comes to how we all just have to knuckle down, do what we're told when restrictions are put in place, bearing in mind that he's living in Donegal where they are at level three uh, restrictions and he's self-isolating, he's on his own in the house and uh, he's going to stay there for the 14 days until his 14 days are up but he's just made so much sense that when we're told to do something we need to uh, do it on his B&B programmes uh, Anne says I loved the night on the B&B show where he knocked the flower pot off the bedroom window sill he, he opened it or something didn't he and, and he knocked it down and thought that was a great laugh and another listener says hi uh, Daniel Donnell is absolutely great with old people the way he looks after them. We met him once in a Mallow nursing home. What a lovely, lovely guy. And others asking, when is that in his new album? The, the, and what's it called? The new album is simply called Daniel. It was recorded, I think he says, in the one song that they recorded in lockdown. It was already, and this it was in production, you know, before lockdown came. And it's going to be out on the 16th of October. And that gig he spoke about, if people want to, it's going to be a virtual gig. But if people want to log on to watch that, you can get tickets for it. But if you just go to his website, the Daniel O'Donnell uh, website. OK, we're going to take a break. We have another break to take because I, I couldn't stop Daniel in midflow. Had to let him chat away. Uh, we'll have Joe Heflin in the next hour. We're going to give advice to parents who are concerned about their children going back to school. Also, I can see a number of comments coming in about Halloween and this notion. Some people are saying, should we be cancelling Halloween? And we know that Neffet in their meeting this Thursday are going to actually be talking about Halloween. Now, I don't think they're talking about cancelling it, but they're certainly talking about offering advice and guidelines around trick-or-treating. But there's some comments in on that, so we'll get to that. Uh, and we also ran over on time, so we will in the next hour talk about the St George's Arts and Heritage Centre in Mitchellstown because work begins on the new roof there. But we're going to take a break and head to the newsroom for news at 12 midday. This is Court Today. Court Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. 
Deirdre has contacted us. She lives in the Bandon area and she's looking for somebody to maintain her garden. In the main, the grass needs to be cut regularly. And obviously we're coming into the winter months so there won't be that much grass cutting to do between now and Christmas, probably a couple of more cuts. Her neighbour used to always help out Deirdre and cut the grass. But unfortunately, the neighbour's lawnmower has broken. Deirdre's living on her own. She doesn't have any children living nearby. When they do come, they try to help her out, but she said they have their own lives to lead and they're not always available to come and help her maintain the garden. So she's decided she'd contact us to see if there's anybody in the Bandon area who would, with a lawnmower, who would be able to help her out. And obviously we have all of Deirdre's details. So is there anybody in the Bandon area willing to help out Deirdre living on her own and she needs help with maintaining her garden as I say, in particular, it seems to be the grass cutting. If somebody can help with that. And thank you to people. Contact, contact uh, John Paul or Sadie because they've got Deirdre's contact details. 1850 And thank you. We've had a number of people contact us when I started the programme this morning by talking about a letter that we received from an 85-year-old gentleman or an 83-year-old gentleman. Sorry, sir. I'm putting two years on to you who has uh, had uh, a little... King Charles' dog for the last 11 years but sadly in the middle of September the dog passed away and just he is so lonesome he said without his King Charles' dog and he's tried everywhere to get another small dog without success and he was asking could we help out and we have had we have a couple of leads that we're working on so thank you for people who took time out to try to help out that gentleman it would have been lovely to think and actually I'm just seeing there's a text in from somebody saying that they know of a King Charles pup that has just been born with the pups that were just born last night I don't know for if and now we will contact the gentleman I don't know for an 83 year old if he wants to take on a pup and start all over again ideally a nice quiet dog I think would be probably some of the leads that we're looking at at the moment would probably be the best but thank you we will certainly take that take those details as well and we can let the gentleman we can pass it all on and let the gentleman make up his mind as to what suits him the best and can I also pay reference to a call that came in earlier from Mary in uh, Clonakilty who is picking up on something I said about something that I did at the weekend and she's kind of having a bit of a go at me and you're right, you're within your rights Mary uh, to have a go at me. I mentioned yesterday that I at the weekend I had gone to Dungarvan in County Waterford. I went, my sister lives there and I went to visit and I got to walk on the beach and I was talking about walking on the beach and just how wonderful it was and what a glorious day it was. We got up early on Sunday morning and I went for a walk and uh, Mary heard me referencing that yesterday and she said she's very disappointed to hear that I travelled to Waterford at the weekend because it's one of the counties that's very high for COVID-19 at the moment and they were even under consideration of locking it down and she says and I quote was disgusted to hear that I went to Dungarvan on Saturday I was there I suppose I was away for about 24 hours in total I left Saturday afternoon and I was back for mid-Sunday afternoon And can I tell you, Mary, I soul searched about going because obviously this time last week, plans had been put in place for me to go. I was away for a night without Marsha. I don't often get away without Marsha. I think probably the only only one other time, I think this year that I've been away without Marsha. And I went to visit my sister. Haven't been to her house all of this year, actually. And normally during the summer months, I would, because she lives by the sea, I'd get down to see her as often as I could. So, So I hadn't been, it was my only visit for the whole of this year, actually. So I did soul search about it and we did watch last week when they were talking about Waterford and talking about rising cases 
and obviously if they had locked down Waterford I wouldn't have travelled if they'd locked down Cork I wouldn't have travelled so I wasn't breaching any of the restrictions that are currently in place but did I soul search about it? I absolutely did I went from my home to her home uh, deliberately avoided stopping anywhere going anywhere being anywhere where there would be crowded people Uh, I actually went so far as to check the local electoral area for where she lives to see was there any COVID in the area and there wasn't again it's a little bit like Waterford County is a little bit like Cork City and County in that they have clusters in various areas a lot of it seems to be around a meat plant uh, there so I did look at that uh, as well but I was nervous about it I I will say that uh, Mary but you know I came back feeling totally refreshed and renewed and I got so much from it particularly the walk on the beach. It was just so glorious and I I couldn't have predicted that the weather was going to be good. So I'm sorry to hear that you're disappointed and disgusted that I made that trip last weekend, but I didn't do it willy-nilly. I, you know, I did soul search about doing it. Um, and you are in, absolutely entitled to your opinion so I'm sorry that I disappointed you. 1850 and then also just want to pick up on another thing that we mentioned yesterday. We had a couple of listeners who were talking about coming across road bowling events and that they were concerned that there was large groups of people gathered and the people weren't wearing masks and they felt that social distancing wasn't going on and they felt that something needed to be done uh, about it. Well, somebody from Bowel Common was listening, a gentleman by the name of Pat McCarthy and he's contacted me by email to say, Hi Patricia, I believe that there were some issues about a bowling event in Castle Lines. We would like to state the following. Bowel Common wished to state that road bowling events alluded to on your programme yesterday morning were not organised under its auspices. The association takes its responsibilities very seriously with regard to adherence to COVID protocols and we've issued guidelines to all its clubs and its members. Our bowling events are outdoor They're played over a two kilometre stretch of road, which gives those attending, sometimes around 100 people, ample room for social distancing. And while the wearing of masks is not mandatory, it is encouraged. At the scores I attended last weekend, which was Kilcorny and Timaleague, bowels were sanitised, COVID awareness signs were on display at various points, as well as the regulatory safety signs and events were properly stewarded. A COVID officer took names and telephone numbers of those attending. Kind regards. And I'm glad to clarify that. And that's from Pat McCarthy, Bowlcom. And so the, the scores that were held in Kilcorny and Timaleague, he says they all adhered to all of the guidelines, but they can't be responsible for other people who decide to go out and do some road bowling themselves. And then yesterday we also touched on cyber safety on the programme. We were talking about do we need to start giving online safety tips to young people what was being suggested was that it becomes part of the curriculum in the school and that we even start with little ones as young as junior infants start talking uh, to them. And I got an email in with a reminder that was something that we did last year on the programme when we spoke about a cyber safety book for younger children and it's called Sam and Sue Learn About Cyber Safety and I remembered it. It was a wonderful book and the actual graphics in it were just uh, superb. That book is still on sale. It's it's published by Health and Safety Publications Limited. The book is aimed at children aged between three and seven and through the colourfully illustrated story and the tips and discussion points for parents and teachers the book's 
books offer a much needed resource which aims to develop safety awareness on cyber safety particularly for younger children as I say it's aimed between 3 and 7 year olds the book is 7.99 and it can still be purchased online at www.samandsue.com if people want to take a look at it but I remember I was blown away by it at the time on Halloween people are saying Mary says if you make up little bags of sweets and have them ready to hand out when the children go around trick or treating then when the children call you can have your gloves you can have your own mask on and then hand them out to the children surely that would work they wouldn't be hanging around then surely that would be a way of doing it someone else says please don't cancel Halloween the children love going around calling door to door and let's be honest children are going to have their masks on so what's the big deal I love having them call I have lots calling in my area so I see absolutely nothing wrong with it and a number of other people are saying the same thing please don't cancel Halloween and John from Butterfant rather tongue in cheek says Patricia you have somebody saying Halloween should be cancelled never mind that what about all those children who are going to be disappointed that Christmas is going to be have to delayed until January why because Santa Claus will have to self-isolate for 14 days on arrival in this country. Ha ha ha, says John from Butterfield. We looked into that before, John, and it seems Santa Claus is part of its deemed essential services, so he does need to self-isolate, so he'll be able to arrive to all of the little boys and girls and everything will be fine. Hi Patricia, I wonder who collects the clothes from the drop-off point in the Blarney bins where the, where the bins, the recycling bins are. The bins are full and there's piles of clothes on the ground. Folks, if you get to any recycling centre and the bins are full, can you bring the items back with you? I don't know who does the collection for the bins there, but what I suggest is when you're next at the bins, there's normally a number on all of those bins saying if there's any problem with it or if it's full, give it a call. So if you make a note of the number and then give them a call, they certainly will sorted out for you. I think all of the bins have some kind of a contact number on it. And Mary says, Hi Patricia, just to let listeners know, today is Archangel Michael's feast day. Archangel Michael is the most powerful of all of the archangels. Wouldn't it be lovely if on his feast day we could all just ask him to use his sword to protect us and our families and friends and neighbours from this pandemic in in order to keep us all safe. Thanking you. Kind regards, Mary. Yeah, it is certainly worth a try, Mary. Thank you for that. If people want to say a quick prayer today to Archangel Michael. OK, and just a quick down. There was a lot of commentary, by the way, in on the property tax when we were speaking with the two councillors earlier, Noel McCarthy and uh, Declan Hurley. And I can honestly say, hand on heart, every single one of the calls were people saying either don't have the money to pay the local property tax, can't believe the local property tax has been increased. I don't think, looking down through the comments I've seen, that I've had one who have said yes, that they can accept and see that the council needs the extra money. Eileen said all this rising in the local property tax is going to pay their wages and the 55 councillors do we really need them all, says Eileen. Dermot says the property tax is a joke. It really is not fair on rural Ireland. If you get planning permission, for example, in West Cork, you've got to supply your own water, your own sewerage and the roads are a disgrace. Fair enough if you live somewhere where there's a plentiful water supply and decent roads, but it's an absolute joke when you live 
in a very, very rural area. And as I say, that is just a sample of the many calls and texts we had in. Uh, old age pensioners contacting us saying absolutely raging that there's going to be an increase in property tax. And the main question, I think, are people saying, what do we get uh, from it? And just a final call and a kind of a query from Kay in Duhallow to say her wheelie bin has been damaged and the lid has has cracked. Uh, she said there's two cracks out on both sides. There was a crack on one side but on the other side started to crack as well. So she started to contact them and if that's the recycling bin you don't want water getting into the recycling bin because we know that all the recycling items need to be kept dry. So she contacted her bin company I just don't know which bin company that she has contacted to say look I need the bin, the lid of the bin replaced. I'm sure the bin itself is fine. It's just the lid needs to be replaced. And they said, yeah, oh, no problem. We can do that service for you. But, Kay says, sting in the tail. They're going to charge her 35 uh, euro. And uh, she thought that was a bit much. And she reckons she's not alone in that, in that other people must have the same problem. Actually, it's funny you should mention it because I was looking at my own recycling bin and a crack was on one side for ages and I've noticed there's a crack on the other side as well. Now, as I say, I don't know if we're with the same bin company or not, so I'll have to get on uh, to them. Oh, sorry, I've just spotted the end of that text. It's just, it's, it's country clean, sorry, who Kay is uh, with. And John Paul says he's put a call through to a country clean to see, because they took over the service from the council uh, to see, is that standard? And so we'll give it out to see, is it standard across all bin companies? If your wheelie bin gets damaged in, in any way and it either has to be replaced. I mean, I certainly, for my the lid of my bin, I just need a new lid. I don't know if it's possible just to replace the lid because the bin itself is fine. But maybe, I don't know, for the €35, are they replacing the whole bin? Anyway, let's wait back until we hear from uh, Country Clean. But any other bin company, if anybody else is with, uh, with another bin provider, is that standard? That if the bin gets damaged and it the whole bin needs to be replaced, I need to get a new lin, lid or all of the bin companies charging for it is what we want to know. 1850 333 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie Kildallery Community Development they're holding their weekly lotto draw. It's going to be on this Thursday in Kildallery Community Office. 4 o'clock in the afternoon. The jackpot is €1,000. And bingo is going ahead in Inchigila Hall on Friday night. Half eight start. Now there's a limit of 50 people so tables must be pre-booked. Remember that there cannot be more than six people at a table from no more than three houses. COVID-19 guidelines must be adhered to and face coverings must be worn inside of the hall. If you'd like to pre-book a table you need to call 087 3100311 and Castle Magner's Autumn Parish Cleanup will be held on this Saturday. The Tidy Towns Committee they meet every Tuesday evening so they'll be meeting tonight at half past uh, seven in the hall. New members or helpers are particularly welcome but if you're going along please bring your own gloves. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. Now last year a not-for-profit company purchased St George's Church in Mitchellstown with the aim of turning it into an arts and heritage centre. This week, work has started on the roof of the former Church of Ireland Parish Church in Mitchellstown. And joining me with an update, Bill Power. Good afternoon to you, Bill. 
Good afternoon, Patricia. And can, I'm very well. And can I start by apologising? We were meant to have you on before news at 12. But unfortunately, my interview with the lovely Daniel O'Donnell yes. ran over. And I'm sure you understand. As, as, as they say, a very important person. I absolutely do. <laughs> well done. Now, I remember hearing about you running around with buckets, trying to yeah. catch all the water on a very wet night last year. How bad mm. is the roof? Well, the roof is, most of it is 200 years old. So it did need a bit of work. I mean, we had occasions up there where we'd maybe 30 buckets out around the cliff. Oh, no. Um, and it was a case of a moving feast because you, depending on winds and various other conditions, the buckets weren't always in the same place. So in reality, the number of leaks was a lot more than 30. It just, it just depended on what way the wind blew and what way different things were happening in there. So we were having a bit of a nightmare, really. And then we were, I suppose, last year before we acquired the building, um, we applied for, for grants from the Department of Arts and Heritage and Gaeltacht didn't get anything last year which wasn't a big surprise and to be quite honest it would have been too soon for us but this year we got a huge surprise in June when we found that we got the second highest grant in the country for heritage buildings this year so they've they're funding 116,000 of what will be a 240 250,000 re-roofing of St George's so um, about a little about half about half, yeah. No, yeah. look, like all things with these, you know, the budgets are going to go over a little bit and you you have different things that go on. I mean, even yesterday, looking at some things up there, um, I was spotting things that you simply wouldn't see from the ground, but that we'll have to attend to them now that we're up there. Um, but we we were in the position then that we started fundraising in June and we started this Donate a Slate um, fundraiser, basically asking people to donate 25 euros for a slate and we put their name at the back of the state and that goes up in the roof. I love that and, idea. Um, I love, and, yeah, it's and, there, and it's there then forevermore. It's there forevermore. And yeah. you, a lot of people now have done this in memory of relatives, uh, yeah. newborn children. Um, the very first one up, actually, we just put it on Facebook there um, in July. Uh, the very first were two requests from uh, New York. Well. You kind of forget that people follow you in places like that. And um, somebody who wanted wanted them for her two children. Now she's she is from the locality originally, but she told me that she's gone out of here with, with thirteen or fourteen years. So people like to maintain the connection as well. Yeah, and it's you in two hundred years' time, please God, if it needs to be re-roofed again, that there'll be somebody somewhere talking about the different names yeah. on the different slates. So that's that's it, it, it. It's terrific, and with an old building like St George's Church, Bill, getting the roof secure as quickly as possible. I, I take it as vital. Well, well, look, this is the biggest... Uh, there are two massive undertakings in St. George's. One is the roof itself, and this is this is by far and away the most important. We know that somewhere down the road we're going to have to do work in the steeple, but as they say in Ireland, sure, it's fine at the moment, yeah, you know. Yeah. We'll, 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 we worry about that when we come to us, you know. Yeah, we'll, we'll hang in there. And as w- yeah. work has begun... Work started yesterday. The scaffolding went up last week. Um, some of the roof was stripped yesterday. We're very lucky that um, in the tendering process, because the, the money was a, of such a large size, it had to go through tendering. But as it worked out, um, it was a local firm that had worked with us before. Brilliant. Um, Coughlin's, Pat, Paul and Alec and, and their team. Um, they won the, the tendering process for the roof, which is great because that's local jobs, that's local employment. Um, and uh, they were blessed yesterday morning 
they had a full day of sunshine up there yesterday and they took off a large section of the roof. Uh, surprisingly good timbers inside. Um, conservation policy would be that we keep as much as we can of what's there. Yeah. So we've been able to do that. Um, yeah, we've, we've lost about 60% of the states because they're gone way beyond their, their lifespan. Um, by the time we check the ones that we've saved, there may be more that, that will have to be discarded. But um, but the, some of the timbers are okay. Some of the timbers are okay. We're looking, for example, there there is um, if you were over what what I call the chancel of, of the building, which would have been where the altar was, the ceiling, the the roof there, there's an X um, from corner to corner, holding up the roof, and the timbers in that are eighteen inches thick. You're talking timber that would have been growing about five hundred years ago. And it's in tremendously good nick. I mean, you, you look at it, superficially you look and you see woodworm, but the woodworm only goes in an inch. It yeah, has no impact yeah. on the timber. 18 inches. Yeah. And, and I mean, we're looking, in many cases we're looking at, at uh, timber that would have been planted in maybe the 1600s, early 1700s. So oh, there's easy. something special about that, isn't there? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, look, I mean, I was very conscious up there yesterday that, you know, you're touching timber and you're touching stonework that hasn't been touched by human hands in, in the last, last time that thing was done on the roof and that was 1884 and you're touching these things you know that other humans haven't done that in the mm, meantime mm. we actually had while I was there yesterday with, uh, with a couple of interesting little finds um, one of them was a bottle with the cork still in it uh, nothing else unfortunately Yeah. but um, I was able to do a little bit of research yesterday and it said P and R uh, Bristol and P&R was Powell and uh, Ricketts. They were a glass-making company in Bristol. And the bottle we have, because a load of photographs up, Google is wonderful for these. Yeah. Um, our bottle fits perfectly with the 1880s when we know that roof was worked on. And what was in the bottle, do you reckon? Nothing. Fresh air. No, but what <laughs> but do you reckon was once oh, in the well, bottle? Sorry, it was a whiskey bottle. So, it was a whiskey no. bottle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ah, yeah, but how now that? Gee, I tasted somebody was in the church with the whiskey bottle. That could have been used to bring the tea with them to work because ah, they, yeah, they sure. didn't ah, throw yeah. anything away in those times. Well, well, I don't think they'd invented Irish coffee at that no. stage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a great. And where did you find that? That was actually directly over. If, if you were inside in the, the, the building and you were looking towards where the altar was, it's the, it was the far right hand corner. So it would be on the meadow side of the church, um, and it it was just tucked in nicely at the top of the wall. Wow. And there was another wow. bottle as well with a little bit of research to do with the other bottle. If that but, bottle, you know, if that bottle could talk. Yeah, and actually, previously a few weeks back when we got into the attic there for the first time, there's a huge attic in, in part of the building, and I found a couple of of um, tools left behind by workmen from God knows when. Um, uh, and they're still up there. They'll be comparative as a exhibition. Yeah, to, it's bringing history course, back you know. to life. It's it's amazing. Uh, so, yeah. You had started to hold events, um, Bill, and then lockdown. Yeah. That just put an end to everything, did it? Well, yes and no. Uh, we had a number of, of concerts there last year. Shoot, I mean, we reckon we had about 7,500 people through the building between April and December last year. And then, of course, like everybody else, we had things planned um, for this year. All that came to a grinding halt. Um, and then, as we went on, when, when lockdown lifted a little bit, um, back at the end of, when was it, uh, the end of August, 
I was actually approached by one of the lads in the folks with an idea about doing a fundraiser. Sorry, this is the start of August, about doing a fundraiser. So actually we've had five concerts in there um, since August, um, an audience of 40 at each. Okay. All the performers have performed for free for us. So it means we raised in or about a thousand euros per concert. That's fantastic. And that's all for the So room. socially distant and keeping it yeah, under the yeah. 50 and... And you know, St. George's lives for music and activity and life. And we'd gone through this sort of horrible period there where we could do nothing. Like everybody else, took, I'm describing what everybody else has gone through. We were no different. And um, the one difference, I suppose, with us is this was a hobby, this is the business. Um, so it wasn't our business was at stake here. Yeah. yeah. And then when this idea came up, um, to say that Brian and the folks kind of rang me one day and started talking about it. And between one thing and the other, within um, within two weeks, we had five concerts organised. People, people are desperate to go to get out as yeah. well. People need and, and to get out. Reaction, yeah, that was the reaction we were getting. People just sick and tired. And, uh, you know, people just being able to go in and enjoy something different for a night. Yeah, and do it um, safely. And do it and safely. I, mean, I, I saw people in there who, during COVID, um, they were, uh, um, during the, the sort of the worst part of the lockdown, they were older people who I know for an absolute fact were terrified of, of picking it up. Um, one person I remember meeting her down the street, she literally held out the umbrella pointing at me, don't come any closer. Yeah, you know? yeah. And then she felt comfortable enough to, uh, to come into one of our concerts. Okay, you know? and uh, there's, there's a great future for St. George's. I'm really excited about this church. It's, it's just going to be a fantastic well, arts and heritage centre. Well, and you're so. preserving it for future generations and oh, that's yeah. that's what it's all about. Well, look, the, the, we said at the very beginning and it still applies. Uh, from the very beginning our mantra has been that we're giving St. George's a new lease of life mm. now last year having so many people in with us meant that people got a flavour of the potential of the place and they, as they say they ain't seen nothing yet um, now we're finding that uh, that certainly has helped us with the support that we're getting with donated slate I have to say because people can understand the value of the building in a different way mm. and you know Towns and villages um, across County Cork and across Ireland, particularly buildings that have closed as convents and monasteries and churches, they've been utterly vandalised for all sorts of reasons. And that's happened in Mitchellstown too. With us, we found that the, the sort of reaction from the beginning from local people has been, you know, thank God that place is not to be left far down, like the convent, for example. Because it's, it's awesome. And now we're getting, they see what the concerts were like and the, the we do a massive Christmas market there last November. Yeah, we can't do a lot of this stuff at the moment, but by the time we're finished all this work now, um, we reckon we'll have had about 400000 spent in the building because over the next few months we'll be putting in disability access. We'll be, we've already upgraded all the tools. We'll be putting in cushions on them, making it less comfortable, putting in some basic heating, insulating, all that kind of stuff. And it's about making the place comfortable and attractive to people of all ages. And it'll just be ready you know. when COVID has disappeared and when life oh, yeah. will get back yeah. to nor- normal. Okay, it just will. finally, it Bill, how does, yeah. somebody, how does somebody donate a slate? Well, well thank you for asking, Bill. The <laughs> last time I did an interview with me, with you, somebody got in touch with me afterwards complaining that I didn't give out my phone number. Okay. So, so, so I, won't, I won't make the same mistake twice, if you don't mind. And people can bring me, um, Bill Power, on uh, 087. Eight double one three six double one, or um, they can email St George's. Now we have a slightly uh, complicated email address, but it's S T 
STG Slate at gmail.com. STG as in St. George Slate, St. George, uh, Slate. at gmail.com. At gmail.com or okay. my number 087 Okay, pleasure as always. We'll talk again, Bill. Thank you for that. Thank and uh, thanks uh, for joining us. Uh, bye bye. That's local historian from uh, Mitchell Bill Power. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 Just a quick text in from a listener to say hi, Patricia. It was so good to hear the plumber, Donna from Eco Plum in Clonakilty speaking on your programme yesterday. He was giving us the update. Remember he was looking for the apprentice plumbers a couple of weeks ago. He sounds like a genuine man and he's a good representation of his trade. Could your listeners recommend a genuine, decent plumber, please? Uh, I need some work done in the Boherbui area. So if anybody knows of a genuine, decent plumber, I'm sure there's loads of them uh, working out of the Boherbui area. If you could give John Paul or Sadie a call, 1850 Actually, it's to the phone lines in Boherbui I go, uh, to Joe Heffernan. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. You're not a plumber yourself, so you can't. I can't recommend you to sort out this person's no, problems. No, we had a young man called JK in recently. Did and you? Um, he sorted us all out. Um, is, yeah. he, is he in the Boherbui area? He is, and he's the kind of guy that if he says 8am, well... You could set the clock. Oh, they're the kind of plumbers. They're the kind of tradesmen I absolutely love. If JK wants to pass on his number, we'll pass it on to this this listener. Now, we want to talk about some children are back at school and they have been now for a number of weeks. But there are parents and certainly we would get texts and calls in here. Some parents are very worried and it's, it's actually leading to anxiety, I think, in some parents. They're worried about their children. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, of course they are. Uh, I only had a chat um, with one parent whose child, uh, now it was very well handled. I, I won't mention location or anything else. Very well handled. Uh, there was a child in the class um, uh, tested positive. Okay. And um, the principal uh, made contact with the parents and the close contacts uh, with the uh, with that particular child uh, were a all tested for COVID nineteen, uh, having isolated uh, themselves um, prior to testing, and I think uh, were requested to remain at home for a number, uh, quite a number of days until. Uh, all possibility of retransmission um, were were uh, were passed. So it was very very well handled. Now I did hear this morning some statistics that the testing of children. I'm talking. Oh, I think I'm talking mainly primary. Um, that it came out at. Um, I think it was 1.9 percent yeah. uh, were positive. Well, now. You know, we can be reassured that 1.9% uh, positive uh, is very low. But, of course, the whole situation is fluid. And what's true for this week might be not true at all um, uh, for next week. But you very much see and know of the benefits of children going back to school and how important it was that our schools reopened and stayed opened. Oh, absolutely. There's no question about it. Um, I, I mean, uh, students, uh, children need to learn. Um, uh, you know,
you know, there's the 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 social aspect of it. They're back with their little friends, um, uh, and that's uh, a, a wonderful thing that uh, that they don't grow up in a world where everyone was, um, uh, you know, as it were, locked inside in their own home, um, and. Uh, is it one of the major things that people would be very well aware of would be well it allows parents um the freedom uh, to go back to work mm-hmm. w- one of the um one of the things that i would have been asked a bit um and i wouldn't pretend to know it all at all now but i mean the, the bit of common sense comes into it of when should you keep the child at home and phoned the GP. Um, and the the general uh, advice seems to be, don't send the child to school um, if the child has a temperature. Um, now, I, I know that there are all these fancy things now that you can get for testing temperature. You know, the, the little gunny thing that you just point at the forehead and all. So it's not a big deal to be able to take a temperature. Um, now, naturally, if the child has any um, of the symptoms of coronavirus, um, for, we give you an example of here in my own work. I mean, um, uh, a text message goes out to anyone coming that uh, if you have any symptoms uh, of uh, COVID, um, uh, if you have uh, recently returned from uh, travel abroad, etc., please do not attend. And then with the deep cleaning and with the ventilation, um, uh, it's making things as safe as one possibly can. Yeah, and there there has been some outbreaks at school, but they've been very low in number. They have been low in number. But, I mean, I suppose the whole aspect of this would be, let's keep it that way. Yeah. Um, uh, that's very important. Um, uh, I mean, if someone in the household um, uh, was a close contact or indeed had COVID-19, uh, well then, it would not be the correct thing to allow a child from the household um, to to go to school. Um uh, if the child is showing, uh, you know, if you're if you're concerned and worried about the child, well, do isolate the child as much as possible, um, avoiding contact with other people as much as possible. Phone the GP where you will get absolutely expert advice. Now, the one thing that I would love to get across today would be that... The, the ordinary, what we'll call the flu vaccine, is available to children between 2 and 12 uh, by nasal spray. And, and it's not available until mid-October. Is it mid-October? I, I was speaking with the pharmacy because I was in getting my flu jab and she was explaining that to me. And she said that they're expected to be in stock in mid-October, but it's going to be nasal. It's not going to be an injection yeah. because injections might, you know, freak out some children. That's so. exactly it. But everybody needs to get the flu jab. Absolutely. And especially those between 2 and 12 uh, to get that nasal vaccine. And I stress the nasal bit because, as you say, um, young kids, uh, they don't exactly fancy an injection. 
Um, and your big advice today, really, Joe, and we touched on it funny enough with Daniel O'Donnell when he was on earlier on when he was giving his advice from Donegal. It's the common sense approach, isn't it? Absolutely. You, you, you know, the common sense approach um, uh, and to kind of have some clear idea as to know what to do. For example... We hear about um, uh, isolate. Um, we hear about restrict movement. Um, what does it mean? If, if a child is, um, uh, we'll say now the person that got the uh, communication from the principal of the school. Well, okay, but what do you do? Right, the child stays at home in a room with a window open if possible. Uh, ventilation is, is, you know, essential. Uh, keep the child away as much as possible from others in your home, as much as possible. Use a separate toilet if it's possible to do that. Um, monitor how the child is, and if the symptoms uh, appear or get worse, phone the doctor, um, but don't go into the car and go to the, the doctor's surgery. Phone the doctor and explain uh, where the um, symptoms. Uh, what, what your situation is. And uh, it's very important um, uh, to teach uh, the um, you know the safety measures that we all at this stage should be extremely familiar with. Well it's the same advice for everyone and yet when I mentioned earlier when they were talking about contact tracing yesterday and when they were talking about people who were told to restrict their movements and who didn't, you know one person went on and they they reckoned by not restricting their movements when they were told to, 54 people ended up getting COVID-19 from that one person and that was just one stupid person who decided I'm going to be okay. They passed it on to 13 who then passed it on to 9 who then passed it on to family members who then passed it on to somebody in the sporting uh, environment but they traced it back to one person and it was 54. I mean crazy. Just if you told restrict your movements restrict your movements. Yeah I think the the term is super spreader. Yeah. Um, That uh, one person who is careless and uh, uh, can as you say there, 1 to 54. Mm. Um, now, the question that I'm being asked a bit too would be about masks. And the thing is, like, I think the directions um, are pretty clear. Um, for example, um, children under five um, are, are not required to wear masks at all. Um, uh, children uh, up to the age of 12... I think it's a case of, again, common sense. If a child, for, say, some health reasons or reason, um, uh, that it would not be um, uh, healthy for them to wear a mask. For example, maybe a child with, um, with asthma. Um, well, then, uh, that would be um, a decision to be made according to the circumstances to do with the child. And I know in school, primary school children don't have to wear masks, it's only the secondary school children do. Okay. And the over 12s uh, follow the very same um, the very same uh, 
uh, directions as as all the rest of us. I didn't know that about the primary school. Yeah, no, they don't. I, they I don't. understood that and some it's, of them. It's the same on the bus, on the school bus. The secondary school children must wear masks, but the primary school children don't have to wear masks. It's the same with the social distancing on the bus. There's no social distancing on the primary school buses, but there is on the secondary school buses. They've, they've put them into two very distinct groups. Okay. We were talking about the nasal spray. Could you ask Joe, can adults be given the nasal spray if they can't tolerate an injection? Okay, well, no, I, I, I genuinely don't know the answer to that. Like, I don't know the answer to many things in this world, <laughs> but I, do, I don't know the answer to that one. Uh, I Look, a very quick um, telephone call to the GP will sort that in, in minutes. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, no, Mary and myself had the flu injection there last week, and um, sure, to be honest about it, I, I, I had to nearly ask, is it done? I or did. Are you still going to do it? I did as well. It's the tiniest injection yeah. I have ever seen in my life. Yeah. Yeah, yes. it's it's tiny and so well worth getting it done. Okay, we leave it there. We'll talk again to you. Ne- we'll talk again with you next week, uh, Joe. Uh, look after yourself. Yeah, and uh, thanks a million for joining us. Uh, that is uh, Joe Heffernan, who runs a counselling practice in uh, Bohaboy. His number is oh two nine seven six six one seven. And somebody said, "Sorry, phoning the doctor three and a half hours before I received a call back. Not good enough when you have a job to get to." A lot of people are complaining about that about the length of time that they're waiting for a call back and it's the only way now that you can deal with your GP practices. Some GP practices just seem to be so much more busier than others and that is just hugely delaying people uh, getting callbacks. And somebody else is asking about the income threshold for the over 70s on medical cards that was announced in the budget last year. I'm waiting to apply for it. Has the new income thresholds come in? It hasn't. We looked into that last week or the week before and they still haven't signed off on it unfortunately that's why the prescription charges remain the same it has to be signed off by the new health minister but they haven't done it okay that's where I've got to leave things for today thanks to John Paul and to Sadie taking your calls today we are back with you again tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon until then I'm Patricia Messenger very good afternoon Hey it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.